This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take a seat. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network, and with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hey, how's it going? Also, Commentary Track Stars. Yeah, I do that one too. And Commentary, I don't know, Frack Stars, the Battlestar Galactica show. Oh <laughs> man, you just hacked that Gibson. Oh, <laughs> copyright... Me. <laughs> oh my god. I can't believe we've never hit on this before. Now I want to do a Battlestar Galactica show just so that I can use that title. <laughs> That's the best ever. Wow, Christmas came early. Well, actually, it's what, December 30th, so Christmas came late, but whatever. It's early. <laughs> it's early to me. It feels like it's the 15th, even though it's the 30th. Exactly. Anyway. Time travel. Mm-hmm. Gives me a headache. <laughs> well, today, we're not going to talk about Battlestar Galactica, unfortunately. Maybe somehow we can figure out how to do that, but, but not today. <laughs> today, we're going to talk about Romulans in TOS. So we're going to try to focus on the way the Romulans were presented on their two and a half appearances on the original series because we only get them in balance of terror where spock's dad tries to kill him for some reason and then we've got them in uh the deadly years where they're just their ships come and shoot at the enterprise because everybody's old and they wander into the neutral zone and kirk bluffs them away with corbamite which is fantastic love that callback and then in the Enterprise incident, where Kirk pretends to be crazy and then dresses up as a Romulan and steals their cloaking device. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, I, I I wasn't listening. All I was doing was thinking about what commentary frack stars would be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, so we've got those three episodes. Um, it, yeah, it was like kind of it ended up being whether intentionally or not, like one Romulan episode a season, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Although after coming out of the gate, you know, uh, really, really fast with the balance of terror, and by that I mean really, really well, um, seems like they kind of uh, dropped the ball with the other two, in in my personal opinion. Um, But but yeah, Romulans are still an interesting species. My, My problem is I feel bad that balance of terror is so good because it's so obvious. I mean, I guess Star Trek two is also like, it's so obviously just here's a remake of a submarine movie in 
Star Trek universe. That's part of it. And it, that part is part really of me, cool. You don't part like of me that? thinks it's like a find and replace <laughs> kind of thing. Like, well, instead of depth charges, we've got, you know, photon blasts. Instead of, you know, a uh, uh, hunt for Red October, silent running kind of thing, we've got a cloaking device. It, I mean, I like the racism and the stuff that, that the episode does bring up, but the basic plot seems very Control-F. To, to me, I mean, one of the things that I, I love most in, in movies, one of the things that, that I love about uh, genre films, to, no matter what genre they are, is genre bending, where you take something which is uh, kind of like established and has, you know, numerous cliches and whatnot, and you put a spin on it. So, like, for example, Blade Runner is a, uh, you know, very, very classic film noir movie, but with robots and, and in the future, you know. And this, to me, is is that kind of thing, too. It's, you know, a submarine movie, but in the future, you know, with, you know, spaceships. And yeah, Star Trek Two, yeah, it's the same thing. Star Trek Two, I think, actually owes a lot to this episode, you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if when they were making their list of, you know, elements from the original series that they wanted to incorporate, one of them was Balance of Terror, just, you know, as a thing. I mean, because um, it, it is very similar, and I don't have any problem with that at all, because as it is, I mean, think about Star Trek on the whole. It's it's the Navy in space, you know. It is, you know, they've got, you know, the same sort of, uh, command structure, you know, the, the way that the ship operates and then, you know, everything else that they're doing, it, it is the Navy in space. So to do a, a submarine movie in space, I mean, that just seems like a, a logical next step. And I mean, you could say that it's like a find and replace, and I guess in a sense it is, but I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate subgenre, no pun intended, and um, I, I think that, that using that can be very, very effective. And I think they, they, they really did use it effectively here, as, as well as Star Trek too. Well, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, apparently, Paul Schneider, the writer of the episode, the supposed writer of the episode, uh, the guy who came up with all the ideas and then Gene Roddenberry wrote them, as you find <laughs> out in These Are the Voyages... <laughs> he he said it was a it was a matter of developing a good Romanesque set of admirable antagonists that were worthy of Kirk. I came up with the concept of the Romulans, which was an extension of the Roman civilization to the point of space travel, and it turned out quite well. And that's something that really only sticks out here in this balance of terror, that they're, you know, Romulans and Centurions and all this kind of stuff. By the time you get to next generation, they're very not roman at all they're kind of sneaky sneaky spy type people and of course they're not nearly as roman as the bread and circuses people who were doing gladiators on tv and yeah definitely but uh i mean this is kind of a, i think a nice balance you know for that and and that to me i mean of like, terror uh good good one <laughs> but uh you know i i, I think that um to me, maybe it's just because I'm not really up on uh, Roman history as much as I should be. I, I never caught on to that. Or I mean, aside from the obvious stuff. 
I never really caught on to it or, or responded to that nearly as much as the other things that that uh, this episode has going on in it. So, so the Romans and space subs is is what it what it breaks down to, right? <laughs> right. So, this isn't the first time that the Federation and the Romulans had met. Uh, apparently, a hundred years previous, there was the Earth Romulan War, maybe pre Federation, because it's the Earth Romulan War, not the Federation Romulan War, and it was fought with atomic weapons. And there wasn't any visual communication, so no one knows what Romulans look like. Yeah, I mean... Which, of course, creates a problem for certain prequel series, should they exist. Yeah, I mean, here we are, personally, talking via visual communication. Um, So we've kind of already caught up to that point, and so you can't really fault... Enterprise for saying, like, you know, let's just say that that's not true. But uh, it is also um, kind of a a problem when they do decide to bring the Romulans into the show. And how do you deal with that? And, you know, they kind of play around with, like, oh, well, we're in a nebula or something and and we can't, you know visually communicate there's someone out there who knows you know i mean right now probably kate is listening to this going like you guys you you are butchering this show (laughs) but you know what i mean um which i don't know i mean i guess that's one way to go about it i'm not sure i would have gone about it that way i think i would have gone the route of uh hey let's just not bring up the romulans in this in this here series but uh that's me personally but um i don't know i uh it's just the problem with science fiction and the problem with having a show which lasts for 50 years, you know? You're going to run into technologies that you hadn't thought of um, and, uh, you know, you just got to roll with it. Well, to be fair, maybe their visual communications run a different codec. You know, we've got... Yeah. Maybe maybe the the original Earth ships were using Skype and mm-hmm. the Romulans were using Google+. That's perfectly reasonable. I think that that's a good explanation. So, like, the voice communication was going through, but the, the visual wasn't. Maybe maybe the the Federation had visual communications and the Romulans didn't. You know, maybe the Romulans were so geared towards war or whatever that the uh, communications technologies uh, fell by the wayside. Could be, could be. I can see that. Yeah. Like, they just didn't have view screens. I mean, they didn't have right. the need to waste bandwidth on, you know, 3D holographic. Well, I don't know if the view screen in TOS is 3D, like the... It's probably not, TNG right? one is supposedly. Probably not. Yeah. What What's interesting, one of the most interesting bits to me about the not having the visuals and such is that once so the the crew of the Enterprise are the first humans to get a glimpse of Romulans and they look exactly like Vulcans. Mm-hmm. And this this surprises Spock and he has he's like, you know, maybe they're Romulan, you know, maybe the Romulans split off from the Vulcans years ago. How does he not know that? Or is he just playing dumb? 
I can't remember all of the continuity that comes afterwards and who knows what from where or whatever, but, you know, maybe, maybe he's not big up on history. Maybe he was like, I'm going to look into view screen technology, and uh, he just kind of it skipped the Romulan chapter in his textbook, you know? could be he's like i'm sure it's not something they're proud of i took ap you know biology and ap physics and everything like that i did not have time to read about vulcan history i'm sorry okay get off my back kirk i don't know (laughs) (laughs) and maybe when he's relearning stuff in star trek 4 he focuses on on the romulan history and that's why he does like unification and stuff mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's totally reasonable right i mean you, you can see he's kind of interested in them and like enterprise incident and stuff like that right so I can well, he's see definitely it. interested in, in uh, them. yeah <laughs> so you know maybe that's why he he went to uh romulus he's like oh i need to find oh no because she was like captured at the end of the episode or something wasn't she right ah never mind then um but yeah, I mean, I again, like it's one of those things where this episode was created to do a certain thing and perhaps no one involved with it knew that it was going to blow up the way that it did. So when it did blow up, both Star Trek and let's say Romulans and, and everything else, you know, it's like... You, you want to use that thing and you want to use certain elements from that thing. So you fudge certain facts from that other thing in order to get it all to work and, uh, continuity errors, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the name of the game when it comes to Star Trek, I guess. Right. We can't blame them. No, it's, and you know, if you think about like what would need to be, fixed in order to get this episode to work essentially you lose everything which is awesome about this episode you know the reveal of the the romulan commander is like the coolest thing ever you know and it's sort of like the heart and soul of of this this episode so whatever i can forgive all that stuff maybe maybe they should have tackled the romulans differently uh going forward but it's, you know, as far as this specific episode is concerned, I mean, it's, it's awesome. But well, what about the, uh, the whole, the whole thing with, with the, the, the racism and all that stuff? How do you, do you think that, that that works well? I think it's interesting that Roddenberry allowed a Federation officer to be racist because it kind of seems point. to go against the, well, I, mean, I guess that was more of a TNG solid rule. The Federation officers are perfect, mm-hmm. and all the aliens should be the troublemakers. So yeah, Styles being like already kind of distrustful of Spock for being an alien, and then really distrustful of him when he sees that they kind of look alike. And Spock's just like, I don't know who these Romulan people are. And he's like, yeah, you do. You're a Romulan spy. I think somebody would have caught on before that point, but... <laughs> He, he he just doesn't handle it very well. Like, on the bridge, he's constantly getting called out for, you know, you need to stop freaking out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of like the guy in Corbomite Maneuver. Like, you need to stop freaking out on the bridge, please. We're, we're trying to run a ship here. It's, it's weird because um, 
the motivation I think is is a little strange, you know. Like he's he's super racist, and one of the reasons, like the the big reason, the big motivation behind his bigotry, is that a lot of his ancestors, who he would have never met anyway, died a hundred years ago. I mean, I'm sure that I have relatives who died a hundred years ago in some war, and. I've never heard of them, and I can't honestly say that I would be racist towards... I mean, even even like my grandfather, you know, he fought in World War II, you know, in, in Japan. And um, he didn't... He, he wasn't killed or anything like that, but it's like, am I racist towards Japanese people? No. You know, I mean, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, maybe maybe he's just, that's just his character. Maybe he's just a hothead who's you know unenlightened and everything. But I always thought that that motivation sort of rang false. Like, yeah, maybe his his ancestors were were racist towards Romulans because they had this connection. But to say like, oh man, a lot of a lot of my ancestors, you know, I'm I'm really big into like family trees and whatnot, and man. Those Romulans, they killed all these guys, and I took it really hard back before I was born and my parents were born, <laughs> you know? I mean, does, that, does that seem bizarre to you? It does, it does. Him being racist kind of ties into, like, the problems that we had with Starfleet Academy mm -hmm. and how, you know, when Kirk was in college, everyone was still racist. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. maybe this is... Maybe this is kind of justification for that perhaps being the truth. That yeah, maybe that's what they were building on. Yeah. Maybe they were building on this, which it would make more sense to be racist against the Vulcans if you knew that they were Romulans also, or that Romulans were spinoffs of them. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't have known that because they find it out in this episode, which hadn't happened yet, but had happened in filming. Working prequels is hard. Maybe, maybe that that does kind of explain, like, maybe like the little jabs that you see people take at at Spock, you know, like uh, McCoy always calling him like, you know, green blooded, you know, hobgoblin, and and Kirk, you know, in, in Into Darkness, you know, calling him pointy or whatever. Yeah. Maybe those aren't just like little ribbings. Maybe those. Maybe that's like, you know, super racist. In in the uh, in the twenty third century, and we're just not picking up on that. And you know, like, the racism still exists, you know. That is disappointing to have your, you know, Kirk, the superhero, being incredibly racist like that. If that is more than you know, jabbing. Yeah, I mean, any racism is bad. Yeah, I mean, even if it is, you know, joking. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't maybe like it. maybe oh. maybe McCoy is like uh that guy you know who always tells like the uh the uh the, the sort of like awkward jokes and you're just like yeah that's funny I guess McCoy walks around now I'm not racist but yeah <laughs> I don't know or maybe not maybe we're just reading too much into it I mean, I guess as long as they're not racist against other humans, maybe that's what we've put aside. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe humanity has put aside racism toward, well, we're all humans in the end. We all have red blood. We all have the same blood. If you prick us, do not bleed. It's still socially acceptable to be racist against other... Against know, other cultures. Aliens. I mean, look at them. Yeah. They're weird. They're weird. <laughs> we got pointy ears and bowl cuts. and Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. You have to make fun of them. <laughs> so, another thing about the Romulans that, that I've noticed... In TOS, they seem very honorable, very, uh, you know, I respect you, like the the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror. It's just like, you beat me, that's awesome, good for you, that kind of thing. I, which, which reminds me of the Next Generation era Klingons. Mm-hmm. And we also get kind of a, a Romulan-Klingon friendship in Enterprise Incident, because... For some reason, the Romulans are now using all Klingon ships, except for in Remastered, where they're using one Romulan ship and two Klingon ships. I I don't follow. I mean, is it because they lost the model for the Bird of Prey, or is it because... Because I've read two different things. It's because the model, they lost it after the first step, you know, after Balance of Terror. It got caught on fire or something. Or another thing that I read today, they uh, wanted to get more use out of the Klingon model that they had built for the third season and were only going to use in, like, two episodes. I, I bet you both of those would be true, you know? It, it was probably a... Uh, because they, they don't really seem to conflict. They're like, we, we, we're doing a Romulan episode. Well, that model caught on fire. Okay, well, then let's use this one over here because we paid a lot for it. You know? Right. Yeah. I guess I guess we'll have to wait until volume three of these exactly. are the voyages to find out. I'm just out like, you sure. know, we'd freaking know if Mark Cushman is here. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh I like that Enterprise Incident is the first episode where you see Klingon ships. Before the Klingon episodes where you see the Klingons in their own ship. Oh really? What do they like air them out of order? They aired them out of order. So the first episode where you wow. see a Klingon ship is a Romulan episode. Mm-hmm. Well, they're using Klingon ships now, and everybody watching is probably like, what? Okay. We've never weird. seen one before. And that's then weird. And it pays off a few weeks later, and they're like, man, the continuity on this show is dense. Did you see how they set that up? It's amazing. <laughs> wow. I also like that the, the Romulan symbol in Enterprise Incident is based on the Klingon symbol, like the same colors and basic shape because the model that they had had the Klingon symbol on the bottom. And if you look really fuzzily, it can either look like the Klingon symbol or this Romulan symbol hmm. in Enterprise Incident. Interesting. They're clever. They they thought it through. Mm-hmm. Instead of like peeling the sticker off and yeah. putting a Romulan sticker on, they were just like, well, if we make the symbols close enough together, because I don't think we'd seen the Klingon symbol by that point either, so... Mm-hmm. They designed two symbols concurrently and stuck a blurry one on the ship and said it could be either or. Cool. I'd love to see an episode where they teamed up, like and actually had, you know, Klingons and Romulans working together. Yeah. Which I imagine that they don't, judging from the what I've read of Deep Space Nine, they're not exactly the best of friends. At that point, yeah, they probably wouldn't be uh, very friendly with each other, but. Yeah, but those Klingons are completely different. From we'll we'll get into that too. Mm-hmm. That's a different episode. Mm-hmm. That may be a two parter because there's a lot of Klingon 
Yeah. TOS Klingons versus movie Klingons is completely different, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So the Enterprise incident brings the Romulans back for no really good reason. They they just kind of needed a villain to have something that, that the Kirk needed. Or maybe they just wanted to uh, to have Kirk dressed up in, you know, the pointed ears and stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if that was a big part of it, you know. Oh, look, he's got the pointed ears, too. Oh, that's crazy. Maybe Nimoy pitched it. Mm-hmm. Like, Shatner needs to wear the ears to yeah. find out how terrible they are. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of weird that they didn't use the Romulans more often. I mean, you see that happen in Next Generation. They're like, oh, look at these villains. We need to, you know, use them. And, and, and the fact that they never really kind of, I guess thought to do that on the original series is a little weird, especially considering how much everyone loves Balance of Terror. Um, so that for them to like show up just like once, you know, in season three is a little bizarre, you know, if you think about how often the Klingons are used, for example. Um, but while it was cool to see them, I, I don't think that they lived up to their full potential in Enterprise Incident. Yeah, like they're not very... They're not very Romany. They're not very honorable. They're they're kind of a a separate race almost. the The only really continuity that you get between them is that Spock and them share somewhat similar biology, but they're different enough that the transporter can find him on the Romulan ship. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how similar their biologies are, and Spock certainly uses his uh. Romulan-esque ways <laughs> mm-hmm. to seduce the sub-commander. Was that? She's I think she's a commander. Commander. Right? She's, commander. She's the commander. Right? Yeah. Which is weird and creepy. In the original script, they were going to make out, but uh, they decided against that and just did the hand foreplay thing. No, that's disappointing. What, you wanted to have them make out? I'd like to see some hot Vulcan on Romulan action there, you know? <laughs> no, no thank you. No? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm weird. Now, now, she was interesting, the commander. And we never don't get to know her first name for mysterious reasons. Um, She apparently comes back in the books. You know, of course all the, she does. The different novelizations, and she's got... You know, depending on who's writing, different names. and They were going to bring her back in a Next Generation episode. Uh, they were, they asked the actress to come back. I'm not familiar enough with the episode to tell you which one. But uh, that could have been interesting. Another mm-hmm. TOS crossover kind of thing. Yeah. Which yeah. would have probably been the first time that they brought back a villain from TOS. And, and the only time they would have done it in TNG... Because in Deep Space Nine, they bring back all the Klingons. Yeah, and as far as uh, villains are concerned, yeah, they brought back, obviously, some some other key people in Next Generation, but never a villain, I guess. Interesting. Yeah. That would have been fun. Mm-hmm. It would kind of make sense. I mean, the Romulans sort of always be, became more of a a TNG villain over the years, you know. I mean, like well, I still think that Balance of Terror is the best example of of Romulans, the best use of a Romulan 
uh, uh, storyline. Um, Next Gen really sort of latched onto them and and made them a a constant presence, and and Deep Space Nine as well, of course. But but they like changed their nature, which yeah, is yeah yeah it's it's almost a, a Romulan in name only, Reno, Reno. <laughs> <laughs> well. It was fun talking about Romulans today, but that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. The Unmade Starfleet Academy movie. You know, even even on paper. Okay, do we want to do the the script, which was written by the guy who wrote Star Trek V, or do we want to do the script, which was written by the guy who wrote Star Trek II? Earl Grey. The ships of TNG. Oh no, it's one ship that splits into three parts, just like the D is one ship that splits into two parts. It's not a Voltron, it's, it's one <laughs> ship. <laughs> and Al formed the saucer. The orb. Dr. Bashir, I presume commentary. I know, that. it's just a hostile the look on Cisco's <laughs> face the whole time. He's just looking at Zimmerman like, all right, you're a, you're a piece of work, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to the journey! Seska. And obviously, Seska couldn't let go, no. and she proved that by having his child against his will. Yeah. Now, here is the Murray Show twist of the future. <sighs> he does not impregnate her. She impregnates herself with his DNA, or so she thought. But he is not the father. The ready room. The ship. But it's also really gloomy, and it's. Sad. I never want to go back there. I don't want to like re-experience that. Like just the visual uh, candy of being able to go outside and and talk to the Vorta. And wow, I maybe didn't phrase that properly. I, I meant I meant the change in color and lighting. Oh. I did not mean. But she's a very. I thought you were Vorta. talking about Kilana. <laughs> she is fetching. No? She's a, she's a fetching lass. Warp five. Zindi evolution. Well, I think maybe Okapa and Insectoid are two races that could have a life together. You know, you've got the nine-year lifespan of the Okapa. You've got the 12-year lifespan of an Insectoid. If they meet at the right time, it could be, could be a beautiful love story. Commentary, Trek stars. Iris Stephen Bears, Star Trek. And it's the first time I heard him say something that he said several times over the years is, you know, one day, one day when we're not the middle child, we're not the stepchild... People are going to go, holy crap. Look at DS9. Literary Treks. Slings and arrows, a sea of troubles. You you see in this book, too, that Picard is facing this melancholy because they've been worried about the Borg, and now the Dominion is on the horizon, and there's these two things, and obviously this is before first contact, so that hasn't happened yet. And Picard seems to be kind of weighed down in this story in some ways. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zune, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. So so we got another uh, letter through the uh, Trek FM uh, uh, website, the little feedback thing on the side there. Uh, this one's from Gene from Salt Lake City, Utah. And Gene says, Hi, Standard Orbit. Thanks for the excellent shows. I love all of your guests. I could listen to Larry all day long, and I can't wait to read These Are the Voyages. 
He corrects himself. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> so, so I was thinking about your fourth episode, Kirk versus computers, and I have a quick question for you. Do you think Kirk could have talked the Borg to death? I think the answer might be yes. Just think, all the Federation's problems could have been solved if Picard had just taken a super destructive logic class at the Academy. My mind is spinning just thinking about it. Anyway, I would love to hear what you think about it. Thanks again for all the great episodes. Then he sent a, another another note uh, shortly thereafter, in which he said, P.S. I just realized that Larry Nemechek has not been on Standard Orbit. I was listening to commentary Trek stars while writing my question and got a little mixed up. So, of course, he's talking about Mark Cushman. But, like, you know, Larry Nemechek is like the next generation version of Mark Cushman. So I can totally understand the confusion. And, you know, there are too many shows um, with with me and my, my nasally drawl. So I apologize for that. And then he says, also, you should consider making a cheesy joke at the end of your shows, no matter how serious the subject matter, it would be very authentic. As for that, we're just not that funny. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. we, I'm, I'm afraid of actually offending, you know, if I were to say something racist <laughs> or I could make fun of sports teams. Yeah, you could make fun of sports teams. I'm trying to think of like a joke that that I I I I've I've heard or something like that. See, people who don't record with you don't know that you you wear ball caps all the time and I can tell which Chicago-based team is playing today based on the the ball cap that you're wearing. Yeah, you've seen a lot of my Bears cap since we usually record these things on Sundays. But Yes, uh, and and full jersey sometimes also. Yeah, if I'm not working, for sure. <laughs> um yeah I, I i don't i i don't know i mean you're, you're tell, tell i would have that. to it would be the most stressful part of show prep would be trying to think of something funny to to say to close out the show here i've got one okay so a guy walks into a bar and i duck it, that i like that one okay that's one of my favorite jokes I'm All just, right, I'm playing it off. Okay, cool. Back back to the Borg conversation. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. Yes, yes. Because I'm pretty sure that's how the Borg are defeated. Yeah, I guess it it, it is in a sense. It's more um, sort of like talking through data or whatever. You know, that that's well, interesting because well, when I'm, I said data, to... I didn't mean data. I meant like data, but it's data too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So you are referring to best of both worlds. Yeah. Oh, what they... are you talking about? I'm talking about the best of both worlds, where they yeah, yeah, yeah. where they they submit a logic problem. They, right. They send a not send... a physical logic bomb, but yeah. a literal logic bomb. Yeah. They do it by text message, but it's still talking. Instead of like Kirk being like, you know, uh, you can't. Attack, attack this you need to sleep because if you sleep blah 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 blah, and they're like talking and giving like a, a big long explanation it's just data being like uh lol z z z z <laughs> or maybe it's the reverse it's z z z z lol you know is that what the explosion is them laughing out loud <laughs> probably right i would like to see picard like talking you know your quest for 
perfection is illogical. You know, you've assimilated enough Vulcans. You know that you cannot achieve perfection. You just blow yourselves up. He couldn't do that. Although that that uh, Picard impression is amazing, by the way. <laughs> just have to say, yeah, he. I don't think he'd have the skill set for that. You know, Kirk is the master when it comes to that kind of thing, and uh, Picard's really good at other stuff. You know, but like his idea, like let's put him to sleep. You know that that's a great idea. But would he have actually been able to do it? I don't know. But but if he had told Kirk how to do it, if he would have said sleep, Kirk would have been like, "There you go, I got it." <laughs> and he wouldn't have needed data. He would have just gotten up there and he'd be like, "Hey Borg, you should totally <laughs> you should... sleep. You're tired. You it would be the worst thing in the world if you slept right now. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh no, don't don't sleep. Isn't it past your bedtime?" <laughs> Yeah. Kirk could have done that. Kirk totally could have done that. But as far as like being taught that at the academy, I'm not sure that that's a skill set which can be taught. I think you either have it or you don't. You know? Yeah. yeah. Unless the teacher's a Vulcan and he just mind melds with each of his students. Now you know now you know how to you know, I mind melded with Kirk once. I know how his mind works. Here, now yours does. Now yours does. Yeah. I wonder if that's how the Vulcan Science Academy works. I doubt it. I doubt it, too. So thanks for writing in, Gene. We really do appreciate it. And and be like Gene. Write to us. Give us feedback. Yeah, you can submit feedback like Gene did by going to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. You can choose to send a show and choose Standard Orbit if you want to talk to us. Uh, that'll come to both of us by email. And we'll probably read it aloud, as we have been doing. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of the page to send a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, which we might just play and then comment on. Do a little commentary on your voicemail. There you go. You could you could try you could send us a voicemail and try to uh, get the podcast to self-destruct, <laughs> or in or send us a joke that we can close the show with. There you go. Yeah. Why? Why do we have to? What? What? What are we? Are we like a? a are, are we like a couple of performing monkeys? Come on. If you if you guys want to hear some jokes, send us your jokes, and then we can play your jokes, and we don't have to, um, you know, amuse you. <laughs> is it our job to amuse you? <laughs> yes, actually, it is. Oh. Okay. Well, whatever. You can also talk to us and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm/forums. In social media, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and on Twitter under username trekfm. Before we go, we'd also like you to support our sponsor who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up with all those classic books you've yet to read, or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com trekfm and sign up today. 
Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Okay. Hey, there's a book on here. It's called uh, Star Trek Web of the Romulans. Ooh. It, it is uh, written by M.S. Murdoch, and it's narrated by Leonard Nimoy and George Takei. And it says here, um, The Enterprise's central computer becomes infatuated with Kirk, just as a Romulan warship attacks. But the attack is a deadly feint. The Romulans are being ravaged by a killer plague, and to save their civilization, they must invade Kanara, where the only known antidote can be found. Suddenly, the galaxy is hurtling toward war. The Kanarans threaten mass suicide, and the Federation masses a counterattack against the Romulans. Kirk, his amorous computer, and the Enterprise crew have one chance left to avert an all-out conflagration. They must save their most dangerous enemies and deliver the Romulans the, the antidote at any cost. Wow, there is a ton of words in that description. <laughs> and it sounds like a ton of plot in that thing. I'm assuming this is like 10 hours long? Uh, let's see. Oh, an hour and 28 minutes. Okay. Well, check that out because, wow, there's some I, stuff this, going on in that thing. Is this a sequel <laughs> to that episode where the the computer is programmed and it's like calling everybody honey and dear? I guess so, right? But regardless, you can get that for free on audible.com if you sign up, uh, using the the offer code trek fm so yeah yep. check that out read that book send us some feedback tell us what what was going on in that book and uh yeah also if you would like to personally support standard orbit the network and our programming visit trek.fm slash donate we have eight alien themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution and you can mix and match badges and art prints there are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you every week. You can get a Romulan badge. You could get a Romulan badge. It's next generation Romulan, though. Oh, uh, with the forehead thing? That's and, weird. And the weird uh, shoulder pads and everything. I kind of like shoulder pads. All right. <laughs> it was the 80s. Yeah. Well, this would be the point where we would insert a joke and make fun of each other, but we're not that clever. I've got a joke, but I'm going to tell it to you off air. <laughs> okay. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit. Ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir. 